Hey there, it's Tinbidermius, and you're listening to NPR's Book of the Day. When we see things depicted in film, something special happens, especially when what we see has been rendered invisible for so long. That's the story at the heart of a new book by writers Jeff Yang and Preeti Chibber, called The Golden Screen, The Movies That Made Asian America. It's a collection of commentaries about the films that have shaped how Asian Americans have been depicted in Hollywood. But it's not just a celebration of cinematic triumphs. It's also about the pain points, from yellow face to racist tropes, and all the work that it took to tell a more complex and humane story. They tell All Things Considered host Elsa Chang about the impetus for writing the book, the sheer joy of putting it together, and why the story is important to tell, even when it's not always pleasant to hear. Here's Elsa Chang. This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu with Black Twitter, A People's History, from Onyx Collective and Hulu. Directed by Prentice Penny, Black Twitter, A People's History, tells the story of how Black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, A People's History, premieres May 9th, streaming on Hulu. When the movie Everything, Everywhere, All at Once came out last year, it made history. And the Oscar goes to Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. That movie was widely beloved for its portrayal of Chinese immigrant parents struggling to connect with their American daughter. I don't want to hurt anymore, and for some reason when I'm with you, it just, it just hurts the both of us. This film felt new and fresh, but you know, at the same time, everything everywhere all at once is actually part of a long, complicated history of Asian representation on screen. And that complicated history is what writer Jeff Yang unspools in his new book, The Golden Screen. The book selects more than 130 films over the last century, and it invites contributors like author Preeti Chibber to reflect on how some of their favorite films shaped their own identities as Asian. Asian Americans. Jeff Yang and Preeti Chibber join us now. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Hi. All right, Jeff, I want to start with you because, you know, under the title of this book, you have the phrase, the movies that made Asian America. Why did you feel a book like this had to be compiled? Well, this is a moment in which we are finally, for the first time, starting to see this plethora of diverse, inclusive, and authentic representations of our Asian experiences on screen. Even when you're kind of playing a little snippet of everything, everywhere, all once, winning the Oscar, I almost cheered out loud. I know. (laughs) And the book is sort of like a cheer out loud. I hear you talk about how a book like this gives us an opportunity to cheer. But Jeff, I noticed that you included films in this book that were beloved to some people, maybe are still beloved, but that peddled pretty flat, offensive representations of Asian people, like Lost in Translation, for example. You are a movie star. Yes. Yes, I should be doing movies. And the Lat Pak. You know Lat Pak? Rat Pak? Rat Pak, yes, please. When we talk about being made, it's not just pleasant experiences that help make us. Remember, for almost half a century, you couldn't see Asian images played by Asian people on screen for much of that time. I mean, they were in yellow face. Yeah. Our response to those images, the ways that we processed or metabolized the sense of being othered by the screen, 
those are things that we still have to contend with as Asian Americans. But then there are also movies that you included that defied Asian American stereotypes, which were awesome, like Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. <laughs> Preeti, you write about this very movie. What did you love about how this particular film rebelled against the usual depictions of Asians? You know, it was wild. I was in college when this movie came out, and I was intensely grappling with the fact that I was not good at science. I had, like, my whole life was, like, I'm going to be a doctor. Not because I wanted to, but, like, all my uncles were doctors, all, like, so many aunties. And so I was, like, I went pre-med. And then I was, like, oh, I'm bad at this. (laughs) And Cal Penn, he was already a household name because he'd been in this indie movie called American Desi that all the Indian kids had, like, passed around. And so there was already that connection. And then he plays this character who, like, doesn't want to be a doctor. Do you actually believe, after the way you've just behaved, that I would ever even consider recommending you for admission? No. I'm going to be honest with you. The only reason I'm applying is for my dad will keep paying for my apartment. I really don't have a desire to go to med school. The number of Indian American kids I saw in media, I could count on one hand. And then to see one who wasn't a stereotype was like mind boggling. You know, what's interesting is that in this book, which is about movies that made Asian America, not all the movies are from America. Like Jeff, you include Mm. foreign films that were produced all over Asia. Tell us why were they important to include in the story you wanted to tell about Asian America? For me, watching Kung Fu movies in double feature theaters in Chinatown was the first time I saw Asian heroes who were saving the day, who were getting the girl. I loved action movies in America. I aspired to be the white actors who were on screen. But when I actually, for the first time, got to see people who shared some aspects of my life and my world, that was the first time I felt like something new was possible. Yeah. Preeti, is there like a beloved Bollywood film that you saw having an important influence on the way Hollywood started telling stories about Indian people? See, Bollywood's the biggest film industry in the world is what we always say, right? But I feel like Bollywood cinema was seen as sort of gimmicky or not necessarily a valid art form for a long, long time. And it's something I grew up with. Like, it wasn't like Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt. It was like, I'm going to marry Amir Khan (laughs) because Dill was my favorite movie when I was five, which is this ridiculous romance with wonderful music. Bollywood was the only avenue towards sort of Indian representation for us. And the association to Hollywood, I think of like Bride and Prejudice or Polite Society, which just came out this year. Oh, I love that movie. Yes. The dance that Rhea does at her sister's wedding is Mardala from Devdar. It is the same dance that Madhuri Dixit does in that movie from like 2002. <laughs> My entire family like sat up and was like, wait a minute, is she really going to do the dance? Because we knew what it was. It was referencing our cultural community in this like wonderful, wonderful way. So I think the influence of Bollywood is much more recent in Hollywood than when I was little for a multitude of reasons. But it was such a huge part of our community that all I wanted to do was like share it with everybody I knew. Yeah. 
I feel like so much of what we've been talking about is just waiting for a really long time. Like, it took mm-hmm. so long after Joy Luck Club to see another Hollywood <laughs> movie star an all-Asian cast speaking mostly in English. It took 25 years with Crazy Rich Asians. And the breakthrough was, <laughs> oh, my God, here's a film where almost everyone has an Asian face and speaks English. Whoa. But then there was a new breakthrough with Everything Everywhere All at Once. That movie made room for the weird Asians. That's what one of the writers and directors, Daniel Kwan, said in your book. So let me ask you this. What would you like to see be the next breakthrough for Asian American cinema? Mm. To not have to have a sharp intake of breath every single time a new Asian or Asian American film comes to mm-hmm. the screen, yeah. right? We don't want to worry about whether it's going to be successful or represent us well. And I think we're kind of getting there. We finally arrived at the era where Asian Americans can be mediocre. <laughs> so we, can, we can put stories out there that don't have to match up with a model minority or even the standards of success that are often imposed on minorities in general. I'm still processing that it is our cinematic aspiration for us Asian Americans to be portrayed (laughs) as mediocre. It's true, though, right? We don't want that burden of representation anymore. It's just like because there's so few, you have to speak for everybody. Being able to recognize that creators from our community can make film or create art that doesn't have to be associated with identity is something that... I think could be very exciting. The character just happens to be Asian. Exactly. It allows that character to exist in addition to that part of themselves. Preeti Chibber and Jeff Yang. The new book is called The Golden Screen, The Movies That Made Asian America. Thank you to both of you so much. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much, Elsa. When voters talk during an election season, we listen. We ask questions, we follow up, and we bring you along to hear what we learned. Get closer to the issues, the people, and your vote at the NPR Elections Hub. Visit npr.org elections. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to Viore.com NPR.